Oh my goodness. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to Phil's Recap and Review. This is going to be for Better Call Saul, Season 4, Episode 4, Talk. The recap, discussion, and review. And I'm back here again this week to talk about another episode of Better Call Saul. Joe is still in his Rip Van Winkle-like slumber. Everyone that saw him on the show of week one knows that he needed a big nap. He'll be back with us next week, finally, to catch up on Better Call Saul and share his thoughts on the season so far. And join us back with the recap. But another good episode of Better Call Saul. I think I enjoyed the the previous two episodes a little bit more, but there was a lot of really good stuff that happened. I feel like this episode was kind of working down downhill. Uh, the stuff at the beginning of the episode was probably the stuff I was as not quite as into, and as it was moving downward through towards the end of the episode, my my television antenna started to come up oh, all over the place. It's coming up. But of course, I'm not alone. I'm never alone when I do this shit live. I have with me the best, the beautiful, the wonderful, the live motherfucking chat. If you're listening to the podcast later or watching the audio later or watching the audio, watching me babble to a camera and talk to you later, please join us live after every episode around 10.30-ish Eastern Standard Time after the episode airs on the East Coast and jump into the live chat. You can also call in at 781-990-8509, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. If you have anything to talk about in this episode, put it in the live or put it in the live motherfucking chat, but also leave a voicemail or a text if I'm not getting to it and you want to make sure I touch it all over the place like I touch you. Put the music up! So yes, there was a lot of good stuff that happened in this episode. It was interesting to watch Jimmy's whole storyline in this episode with him bouncing a ball, then he disappears for half the episode and then comes back into it. I enjoyed Mike. I think this was Mike's best business that he had to do so far, and I like all the stuff with him in group. It seems like in these first four episodes, there's a lot of telling people off in weird situations. I don't know how I feel. Someone in the live motherfucking chat said earlier about our judge, and I got to admit, who was it that said that? Uh, Joss said that. Are super excited for the hashtag judge. Judge Neelix hype. Now, I got to say this. I got to say this. Neelix isn't my favorite Star Trek character of all time. I'm not a huge Voyager fan when it really comes down to it. I think it's a great show and and or has some great episodes. And I've learned to appreciate Voyager more over time than I did in the moment where I was very much team another show. But uh, or two other shows. But I got but I got to say it's the power of Neelix in this episode that that judge character, I didn't know why it was annoying me. I couldn't quite put my finger on why the character was annoying to me until this very moment reading in the live chat what Joss said about it being Judge Neelix. So finally, thank you for explaining it to me. It all makes a lot more sense now. And I don't know if anyone is observant, anyone who's looking at the live or the live streamer watching the video. You can look around. My uh, The office, the studio looks very different. The walls are bare. I've t- I'm packing things up because we probably will be moving soon. And so I have like a lot of my crap in boxes. So the room's empty. And I don't know if people, or this happens with everybody. What's this have to do with Better Call Saul? Nothing. But I have to talk about this because it's, it's going to cause me to be extra weird tonight. And I know that's a big stretch because I'm always 
well, really weird. But tonight I'm going to be even extra weird because now I'm in an empty room that has this weird echoey sound. So it sounds like there's someone talking in the back of the room. Ra Raphael and Michelangelo are talking to me. I'm hearing voices and more voices than normal. So, uh, so if I seem a little extra jumpy, it's because my sound is all out of whack. And so is Jimmy. Jimmy's out of whack in this episode. I love how when Kim comes to him with, oh, you need to go see some therapy because I need to rationalize to myself while I'm giving you a chance in this situation. He it, he does that classic, but I'm not going to therapy. Oh, I'm getting a job. I'll totally get a job. And I was just, I found all of the Jimmy stuff completely hilarious in this episode. And if I had... I, they're making me want more and more Jimmy. And there's only so much they can do with him this season, I think, at times. So it's interesting the way they're dolling out his storyline. And I like how this episode was a little bit more Mike-centric, a little bit more Nacho-centric. And seeing Nacho and Gus and then Mike and Gus and all that stuff at the end of the episode was really strong. And I think Mike is getting losing his patience with shit right now. And, and it's just boiling over. This, to me, felt a lot more... And fuck this. Like I said last week, I don't know what exactly this means. This felt a little bit to me more like the Better Call Saul pacing, the slower pacing at times, too. The action stuff was great. I wasn't for something that I'll say because I just want to be, you know, completely transparent about things I like, things I don't like, and I can't just pull everything sunshine out my ass. It's not that I didn't like the scenes. I wasn't as invested in the Kim and the Judge stuff as I necessarily wanted to be. And I found myself more interested in other stuff that was going in the episode. And by the end of the episode, when everything was all said and done in the episode, I forgot. It took me to think back at the end, uh, quickly looking through my notes, to be like, oh, yeah, Kim was in this episode. I had completely blocked out everything that happened with her at the beginning part of the episode. And that's fine, but... I think she's been great all season and there's nothing bad about what she did in this episode. Yeah, it just didn't, it wasn't quite as memorable for me long term over this season or over this episode as some of the other moments where Mike had some moments in this episode that I think are going to be, I'm going to remember and carry through through the whole season of just classic Mike moments, so to speak. And I feel like this episode was definitely slow character driven stuff happening, but definitely taking its time a little bit in this. So, cool episode. Not Like I said, not... It's hard to match how excited I was about last week's episode. And I'm not saying this is, oh, fuck it. I'm gonna go to Knit now because Better Call Saul's about to live in. No, this was, this was a good episode. The stuff with the cousins, when the cousins go in and just rip shit up, this was no in no way a... An episode that didn't have action. This episode kept me entertained through the whole fucking way. I loved it. I love this shit. But I think I'm a little higher. Well, every day I'm higher. I think I was a little higher just on last week. Whatever I was smoking last week was more uh, more head high and had me like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? This episode was like, yeah, this show's awesome. Yeah. And I think shows episodes like this over the long-term season will have this bigger effect on me because shit happened that was important to move things along. And yeah, another good good episode. We'll break it down and lose it. Let's go to the fucking... Let's go, let's go in the live motherfucking chat and see what people have to say right now. Let's see. Congrats on my Walk of Fame stats. Did Weird Al have his uh, Walk of Fame uh, stats today? Did Daddy get finally get on the Walk of Fame? Hey, hey, dog. Praise be. 
Walking David, oh, Walking David Phillips. Evening. Has Phil ever done a show on the hundred? No, I've not. But that is one show that does get requested a lot. My husband just said it looks like Jimmy's job with the cell phone will be his underworld connection. It's my mind blown. Yeah, we were gonna say that. Stephanie said the same thing at the end of the episode, where I was, where I have to admit for a moment I paused with what did Saul just write there what does that mean she goes oh that means criminals are going to come to him to get throwaway phones I mean we protect your uh, privacy and that's going to lead x into y into fucking a and a tab a into slot b and boom chica, boom chica. <laughs> I'm wondering why he took that job after that talk with Kim I think he talked took that job to to dissuade the point of him needing help because the more he hangs around and does nothing the more Kim's going to be concerned for him if he's busy doing a job and she thinks he's all right working she won't bug him to get into therapy and deal with his demons which he doesn't want to do it's anything to protect that room from being fucked with he set up the room the way that he knows he needs to set it up to survive and if anyone starts messing around and putting shit on shelves it's going to piss him off so he doesn't want a therapist digging in there and this can kind of pacify Kim for a while and make her go, oh, he's doing something and put off the pushing him into getting into therapy as it did basically in that conversation. Okay, because she's got so much going on. It's easy for her to say, okay, check mark. Jimmy's got a job. I don't have to worry about him right now. I got to move on to this other thing, especially as her life gets more and more complicated as she recovers from her injury and has to get back into her lawyering life it's going to separate her from being able to be as attentive to Jimmy's needs. And she wants to make sure he's getting better because she doesn't think she can be with the person that she saw last week that's just laughing his ass off at his brother finally showing him some love. Like, fuck this guy. You hear this shit? My brother loved me. What a fucking asshole. I mean, he was a fucking asshole. Yeah, no, no doubt there. Chuck, Chuck can go suck it. But that was if... We're, I know some people in the live chat, some people in the comment section have put it out there. Did Kim forge this letter when she went to the courthouse the day before? Did she change the letter? I don't think so. I think this was really a letter from Chuck. Uh, and I, I mean, I could be wrong. That could be proven wrong. But I don't think that's the kind of thing that they would do on this show and make it not Chuck's letter unless it comes back later. But I would love to be wrong about that, but I don't think that's the case. I think Chuck did write that and Jimmy's just turned off and cold by it. Uh, that is okay. What is awesome about me doing this live babblery? Babblery. I don't know why I'm sing talking today. Oh, my friends, I don't know why I'm sing talking. It's because it's so echoing here. Yeah, yeah. Puss no, but don't worry. Melody, uh, at least for this season, I am here every week after the episode airs. So uh, so you can always catch up and always check us out the following week. We love that any of you guys come on in here to check out this live stream or the shows. And we appreciate it anytime you check it out. And by we, of course, I mean the multiple personalities. Oh, dude, like totally, I'm totally Keanu. Fuck you, asshole. Just fuck you. No one wants to hear from you. Hey, what's going on? Kim is not the type to mess with Chuck's letter. I don't think so either. I think she has too much of a commitment to the law, and no matter how much she cares about Jimmy, she's not going to do something like that to to so that kind of a, a legality in a situation like this. She might do it for fun in a role-play game with Jimmy to turn them on, do some on-the-level kind of stuff, but who doesn't play with 
play with morality and the law sometimes for pleasure. <laughs> Come on. Okay, so <laughs> quick intro means more episode. Mike at the group is a great for great start to this episode and i like how that all concluded mike if uh, you want to hear me talk this is the kind of shit you're gonna hear uh judge fucking neelix i wrote first ep- half of the episode is slow and kim centric and i wrote at the beginning i don't know if that's a discredit to kim or just the way everything was set up i'd have to watch it again i as i mentioned i don't i did not like those scenes but i feel like maybe the pi- placement of it within the episode could have been a little different because of some of the other action that happened i wouldn't mind something else happened before that whole section of the episode happened but whatever who am i i'm a who the fuck am i shut up what 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 did you say (laughs) sorry sorry vince killigan fanboy inside me are you not allowed to fucking criticize these assholes hey 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 i'm sorry for doing that but you know i just thought maybe that stuff wasn't as strong to start the episode. They could have... Oh! Shut the fuck up! Okay. Sorry. I'll shut the fuck up. It was awesome. It was perfect. This episode was was super perfect. No, it was it was great. It was, fuck. I'm such... Sorry, fanboy Phil. Yeah, dude. Don't fucking say shit bad about my show. I'm so insecure. I can't hear one bad thing about the show I love. And we're all fucking cry like a fucking two-year-old boy. I go, where, where, motherfucker? Okay. I, fair enough. I know. I know. There's a lot of people like that. So, uh, so show's perfect. Hey, hey, hello, Phil, you weird ass looking sexy mother. Sexy motherfucker shaking my ass. Shaking my ass. Shaking my ass. Thank you, buddy. Melanie, thank you for being here for us die-harders. Ooh, that sounds very, very awesome. Melanie is the new stream boss just knocking Nancy down. Congratulations, Melanie. Thank you so much for the super chat donation. You get a spin of the motherfucking wheel. And those of you who don't know, anyone that donates on super chat gets a spin of the wheel, and I have to do whatever that lands on. And sometimes it's scary. You don't want to know. Don't talk shit on Phil. Hey, guys, let's beat the fuck out of Phil for talking shit on Phil. I think we all should gang up and beat the shit out of fanboy Phil. Phil, focus. No, I don't focus. What kind of show are you watching? Focus, my butt. Okay, so uh, if, for anyone here just to hear about Better Call Saul, I'm probably not the podcast for you. <laughs> this is about my insanity as much as it is about the show. So judge fucking Neelix. Reminding me of how much I can hate a character. No, I, I'm trying to think of something good to say about Neelix. Let me think. He was good in this episode. I, I liked him in the judges part. Mm-mm-mm. It was interesting to see him outside of Neelix costume. And someone's saying, I can't wait to hear what Phil has to say about Neelix. I don't. You're the, you got the wrong Star Trek fan. I'm sorry. I wish I could say lots of good stuff about Neelix. I don't like that little furball. I think he's part of the reason why Voyager sucked. They tried to copy and take a combination of like Quark and Whoopi Goldberg's character Gaiden and create another bartender, cool, weird, sort of layered character. And I think maybe it's half a credit to him and Cass's setup at the beginning that just really didn't work either for me, their interactions. And then I just found him sort of gumming up the works a lot of the times and being a and being a a boring cheesy force of loot depression on the ship i just didn't like him at all 
So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So it was almost getting post-traumatic Star Trek syndrome seeing Neelix back on my screen. Oh, gosh. I saw the judge and I was like, oh, Pete Downing decided to get into laws. Anyone reference within a cookie? <laughs> Phil, uh, the wheel. Your insanity makes me go half chub, Phil. That hair gets the rest of the way. <laughs> Voyager did not suck. I do not think Voyager sucked. Dwarf burger swamp beard. I want to be clear. I do not think Voyager sucked. I think Voyager has some amazing episodes. Uh, Year of Hell is one of my favorite, and I think individual arcs in the episode is great. I think Voyager got a lot better once Seven of Nine got on board, and I think there are definitely individual arcs and individual stories that I definitely like in Voyager. I don't want to make it seem like I think Voyager sucks. I think Neelix sucks, and I think he adds to that level of good versus suckitude show. And when Neelix is on there, like when Waxana Troy is on Deep Space Nine, the suck level goes up a little bit. And Neelix is on the show a lot. I tend to fast forward through Neelix scenes to make Voyager watching better. So I, I, I want to be clear. And I just want to say your name one more time because it's awesome. Dwarf Burger Swamp, Swamp Beard. <laughs> I don't hate Voyager. So there we go. Of of course, he is one reason Voyager sucked, but that doesn't mean his character in this episode was bad. I thought he was all right, but on the other hand, it's hard to understand the point of the scene. I agree, Joss, and I want to be clear, too. I appreciate the reference, and I appreciate you putting that out. I definitely liked the judge I thought he added. I'm kind of half kidding. I thought the judge was a really good addition to the scene. I'm curious to see where that goes with Kim. I feel like we could have got... I either wanted to get more of that or less of that. It seemed like it ended off in a weird point, and I would have liked to, if we got that at the beginning, maybe for them to swing back to it at the end somehow. I'm very curious what's going on in Kim, going on with Kim, but I feel like I didn't get enough in this episode. So I mentioned this last week. It's one of those things that we don't know the conclusion. We don't know what's going to happen with Kim. She's one of those characters, same with Nacho. We're not quite sure how their stories end within this world. So I become very excited at this point going into the after these first three episodes to, excuse me, explore Kim. Wait, I definitely want to explore Kim a little bit more. And I feel like I got I got a half. Uh, someone was talking about half chub. I felt like I got half half a job of it today. I wanted more. And that's a credit to the show as well to make me want more. And that's never a pr never a problem. That's I think I'm I'm a victim as much as I can shell out about it and being aware of it, I guess is the first step of how binging television shows has ruined my patience in watching shows at times. And it is absolutely true that the way I eat up a television season in an afternoon, whether it be an old show or a new show that just comes out on one of the streaming platforms has in a sense fucked with my week to week shit and made me be a little bit, I want it a little bit like, I can't quite. I, I hear this. I hear this voice in my head every time. Like the. Here we go again. I want it all. I need it. I need it. I need um. I need television. I need it. I need all these shows. I need all the episodes now. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me now. I just need it. Touch it. See. Obviously, I can't have things queued up right. No now. I want a ball. I want a party, pink macaroons and a million balloons and performing baboons and give it to me. Now, so I, I get a little bit, uh, I'm a hungry, hungry hippo for shit right now. 
Kim is definitely going to get some kick-ass pro bono cases via that judge. Ethan Phillips is the actor's name. I try to remember. Oh, that guy actors. It cut off abruptly right as the judge saw her in the courtroom. I wonder if the judge will start throwing her cases to take her attention off of Mesa Verde. I think that's. I think ultimately that's what we're supposed to take from all of that. That Kim took what the judges said as a, or took his threat and ultimately said, "Cool." That's exactly why I'm here. Thank you for reading the situation correctly, Judge Neelix. I will sit in your bar now and get cases because that's what she wants to do. She can't sit and think about Jimmy anymore because that's just going to destroy her relationship the more mental energy she gives to that. She can't focus all her time on Mesa Verde either. She needs stuff to make her feel good and remind her what's awesome about being in the law or just whatever, just to keep moving. So Judge Neelix is going to be the conduit to that. Oh, yes, the wheel spin. The wheel spin landed on spin again. It landed on spin again, Melanie. Here we go. There you go. Thank you. Thank you, Bernie. As usual, Bernie's keeping me honest. I'm, I was just going to say I mucho appreciate it. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? I very much appreciate it, <laughs> Bernie. It said, Joe, do a character impression. Holy shit. Okay, I'm going to require you guys in the live chat to be honest here. I'm going to write this at the top of my notes so I know this for next week. Joe O1 character. So think about this. Think about what you want, Melanie. Come back next week or next time you're on the show. And especially when Joe is here. And Joe will be back next week. And you can make Joe do a character impression of any character from any show that you want. And we'll have to hear Joe do his best impression of it. So I can't wait for that. And thank you so much. Thank you so much. Oh, but I'm going to drink anyway, just for the hell of it. Because what drinking makes me happy for is it's enough foreplay. It's enough. uh, It's time to stick this landing or stick this landing and talk about it. Where is it? Here it is. It's time for that part of the show. My favorite. Welcome to the recap. This is where we're going to talk about every scene in the episode and break it down a little bit further. Everybody, if you haven't already and you have a question or comment I haven't got to and you want to share your thoughts on this episode or any other silliness, you can always do that at 781-990-8509 or text that number. Bernie the Burnt led the revolt for the wheel spin. Very wrong. Kim doesn't want to be a gilded cage. Don't forget the wheel. Can't wait to see what your prize is. (laughs) What your prize is for my entertainment. Prize. You get a prize of Joe doing an impression of some sort. I love Joe's impressions because they're always just, I'll do an impression of Joe. Yeah, fine. What the fuck? Okay, 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 okay. (laughs) As you can tell, I'm missing Joe. But I'm going to give you one more spin of the wheel just for the hell of it. Because I feel like I'm not being fair if I'm giving you something in the future. And that super chat donation means a shit ton to me. So let's wait. Land on that one. And why am I land on? Oh, and it actually did. I don't know if you guys can see that. 
I don't see it. It landed on Phil Drink. So, like any good person, let me put this up, put the put some time on the clock, and let me drink, ladies and gentlemen. Some time on the clock. Okay, that's enough. Whoa. Oh, shit. It's a head rush. Woo. Okay. So here we go. And anyone else get a little bit emotional over the Mike Maddie flashback at the beginning? I did too. I, I did especially as I discovered it or as I figured out what the hell was going on. I discovered it. I discovered what it was. No one else knew what that was. But no, as I as it started to come together, I think I got more upset during the scene when again, this just this is where this show excels at. The non-verbal acting moments. And Jonathan Banks had a moment just like excuse me. Odenkirk had one earlier in the season. Kim had one uh was it last episode or the episode before? I think it was last episode, where they're just having these emotional moments without saying a single line of dialogue and seeing Mike get all emotional there, a character that we very rarely see show any intense emotions except for anger towards Walter and frustration towards Walter that we see in Breaking Bad. But for the most part, Mike is pretty measured and seeing him get sad, sappy eye emotional for a moment really that's one of those things that's a trigger for me on television or in movies when I see someone else cry or I think I don't know what that is. I need a name for that. Copycat itis or something because the same thing happens with uh, with laughter too. One of the things that's a quick trigger for me to laugh is a character on television or in a movie laughing. It's it it just make it it adds to it. I don't know if it's some weird shit. Maybe it's that shit that they use canned laughter for. Maybe I'm the guinea pig bastard that causes canned laughter to exist because I'm because I'm like a Pavlovian dog. When I hear tears or I uh, or I or I hear laughter, I automatically triggers my own emotional activity. Uh, the Phil robot will activate emotions now. <laughs> Phil Robot will activate happiness. Hi, everybody. I'm here for the show. Phil Robot will go into true form. What, you, what the fuck do all you guys want to do with me? Oh, shit. Phil Robot will go back into show form. So, everybody, it's awesome. So, let's get into the beginning of this episode. I got emotional with that scene between Nacho and his dad. That was another heartwarming scene. And I feel like I've been a little... Phil, I feel like you've been hard on this episode. What? Fuck you, I all there were so many great emotional moments and so many great action pieces in this episode at the at towards the back half of this episode. Again, as I mentioned, I think this episode very intentionally was 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 uh, edited together in a going downhill sort of fashion of or going uphill maybe. Uh, however you want to look at this, going uphill or going downhill. The awesome stuff was at the end. It had a good progression of it. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let me shut the fuck up, Phil. What's up, Mike? Great to see you, Phil. You are empathetic. Oh, thank you. Drink it up. I almost never cry. I'm just waiting for... I cry all the time. I, I, it's, it's a cliche, but I cry at commercials. It doesn't take a lot for me. It doesn't take a lot, you know? I, except for in real bad situations. And when real bad shit happens, I'm making jokes. But like but on television and movies, I'm a sap. You know, 
the most horrible real shit has and does and can happen in life. And you go through it. You have to go through it with a smile on your face and sometimes and make jokes or make do any way to keep moving through like Saul does ultimately at times. But when I watch television, the movies, that's when that's my that's my moment. <laughs> that's when, uh, oh, this is a safe place. Oh, this is supposed to be sad. <laughs> Please, it's like the seventh time I've watched Cobra Kai and I'm crying. I don't know why. Whatever. Okay. So I, I am full on emo. I'm all the time. I cry all the time. I'm sensitive. Was Mike burying some of his dirty police money under the concrete port? Very interesting question. I wasn't sure what the fuck he was doing pouring in that concrete. I cried watching Deadwood today. Motherfucker. Cocksucker. Off topic, but did I watch Deadwood? I have watched Deadwood, but it was a long fucking time ago. Long fucking time ago. Did uh did you leave Rod you leave Roddenberry's girlfriend alone? I'm sorry, was I talking about Major again? I'm sorry. Her voice is incredible. Right, but come on. Luxana Troy is like, oh golly. <laughs> sorry, dude. You better come back. Listen, listen, buddy. Where is he? Where is he? Dwarf Burger Swamp Swamp Beard. Promise me, subscribe to the channel and come back for Star Trek stuff. It's coming. It's coming. I've had a weird summer. Once we once we settle in, I want to be doing doing weekly Star Trek content. I do the best part of waking up is Mike Ehrman Trout up your butt. Okay. So we open up on the woods and fun music and the kid uh, watching some hammering. The kid is watching his dad. Something's being built. There's music. It's like an episode of the Wonder Years here. And that day, I saw my father for the first time, not as my father, but as a crooked police officer. <laughs> oh, daddy, I love you, baby. So we get we get uh daddy's pulling some cement he's pouring some cement god knows what he's doing hiding under that cement and it's all smooth smoothing them shits out oh you got to smooth out your cement that's what that's what daddy always teaches that's what that's what Mikey always teaches Maddie here and the kid is writing his name in it and we see that it's Maddie and then we go to Mike in number 2 to say first time in the episode what he's to say something he says twice in the episode <laughs> For the first time, for the last time, Mike says. He wanted me to talk. I talked. I hope Mike gets into some voiceover work because he's got such a great fucking voiceover voiceover voice. Voiceover voice. He's got such a great voiceover voice. Voice, voice, voice. This is the voice. You see what I'm doing right here? You see what I'm doing right here, guys? It's because... Why are I giving you guys so much information? I don't care. I don't care. It, the fucking mosquitoes are the cesspools of society. Fuck mosquitoes. Someone's going to go, now you're making fun of mosquitoes? <laughs> I, sorry, I got bit the fuck yesterday. I went for a hike in the woods. So he was speaking of the woods and I go, the mosquitoes just ate me. Ate me crazy. Ate me like I destroyed pizza today. I haven't seen The Last Jedi. Good thing I didn't. Phil cried during The Last Jedi. Jedi he cried because it's eight bucks and two and a half hours of his life. We could all relate. I cry at dog food commercials. Phil's other channel is Phil the Sensitive Guy. <laughs> Thanks. My voice is pretty sexy. Okay, so we open up and it's Maddie. Mike is in, in therapy telling a story and being like, you guys wanted me to talk here. I'm fucking talking. Deal with it. Oh, here we go. Here's the live chat. 
So we come back in on some lights and colors and we see the Bates Motel. Oh, no, we see some motel. We see someone waking up in, or walking up to a shady location and he heads back. The music becomes louder and we see this flop house set up and we see all these folks around. Uh, we see the... This guy falls to the door and he gets checked in. I mean, we could go through all this. This is Gus's guys picking up a drug pickup uh, as they were told to pick up from local dealers here. So Jimmy's in his bed as he gets buzzed. <laughs> I love getting buzzed in my bed. And he hears this. James McGill. James, hi, it's Robbie Finn from CC Mobile. Hi. Am I calling at a bad time? No, it's fine. Great. Well, good news. If you're still interested, we'd like... Jonathan Banks was also the bad cop, or not the bad cop, the bad muscle guy in Beverly Hills Cop 1 that uh, Eddie Murphy beat the shit out of through the whole movie. Are you a position at our uptown branch? Oh, this is the cell phone store? You bet. You made quite an impression on Mr. Boyd. He's talking about starting off as a shift supervisor. You can get your training done today if that works for you. James? Mike, you're through the looking class here. <laughs> Still there? I'm sorry. Uh, my plans have changed. I'm not going to be able to take that. Lindsay says, fun fact, Jonathan Banks was the sheriff deputy in Gremlins. And, I, and as I mentioned, too, also in Beverly Hills Cop. It's great to see him kind of get through his whole career, finally get a, a big meaty part like this. Excuse me, after playing so many either quick side roles in some big movies, you know, big iconic movies like Beverly Hills Cop and Gremlins, and I'm sure there's more too if we pulled up his IMDb page. But to see, to be a real memorable television character like Mike Ehrman Trout, from, just from Breaking Bad, and then getting another opportunity of Better Call Saul to more flesh out that character. It's uh, really awesome. Really awesome for Jonathan Banks. I mean, he wouldn't give a shit about me. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, yeah, John the Banks, I'm so happy for your career, man. So happy for your career. Yeah, who are you? Yeah, um, uh, yeah, um, who are you? Why do I care? Hey, man, will you like totally be on my show and help me out? Oh, I don't care. Fuck you. Get out of my face. <laughs> so, sorry, John the Banks. Sorry, 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 sorry. You're awesome, dude. You're awesome. I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, me too. It's a real shame. All right, well, have yourself a good day, James. You too. So Jimmy says, fuck no to the shitty job. And let's go into the chat again. Some big shit's going to be happening between Gus and Mike. This is where Gus gets in big. Oh, this is where Mike gets in big with Gus. I, I agree. In these next couple of episodes, we're going to see that relationship tie, tie even closer together. I like how Gus obviously has a different tact with a lot of different people, but it's the interesting the level of just straight respect he gives Mike, even though he does try to play a game with him. Mike can kind of get away with talking to him a way that no one else can get. He doesn't do the weird entrance with Mike either. He is outside the car waiting for him. Once Mike pulls up, he gets out of the car before Mike even gets there. He doesn't do that Gus entrance that he does with everybody else where he makes you wait for a second and then does an entrance uh, to throw you off balance. It's, it's just he's vetting Mike for a far more important assignment. Or being his go-to guy that because he's smarter than any of his other schlubs. And he can view him as a good way of, once he gets his power structure, to be a guy that can fill in any gaps and holes and be a good gopher. Like, not gopher as in a, uh, as someone that gets you shit. A gopher as in someone that's plugging holes in the dam. 
and just not expecting fucking Walter White to show up. I want a Mugwai. I want a Mugwai too. I'll t- I totally feed that shit after midnight. Because every fucking day time is after fucking midnight. No, but I, to- I totally fuck it up. My Mugwai wouldn't last a day before I got that shit wet or I, uh, or I fed that. I was like, what time is it, dude? What? Phil, it's no surprise you like getting buzzed first thing in the a.m. Yep, no, it's true. It's true. I love it. First thing in the morning, wake and buzz. I believe that's what they call it. So Jimmy gets buzzed in the morning and he gets the job. He heads back to bed and we see Kim packing up looking very vexed. Jimmy is shaving and she has this conversation with him. Hey, you want Thai for dinner? I got a hankering for that iced tea. Yeah, that sounds good. I should be back by seven. Excellent. I was thinking that <laughs> the sound of the shaving makes it seem like they're in a uh, bathtub or a or a uh, some sort of some sort of aquatic location. <laughs> aquatic location. Maybe you should talk to someone. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I got a name. He's not far from here. I've heard good things. Thought you could give him a call. It's a shrink? It works for a lot of people. Yeah, okay. Um... So, uh, before we go any further, I need to read Mike's joke. Um, <laughs> um, Mugwai. People are, a lot of people are talking about Mugwais. Phil gets his Mugwai high. Phil, uh, Lindsay says, I wish Mugwais were real, but they'd be hard to take care of because I wouldn't know when the right time to feed them. And after midnight, it's quite fucking vague. It really is vague. Mike says, how, yeah, and how can you, how can you, how can you not get something wet? I mean, besides me around chicks. There you go, Mike. There we go. I got, I got the timing right. Finally, I got the timing right in one of those fucking, fucking jokes. Thanks, Mike. That's uh, from Mike in the live chat. He'll be here all night. Try the veal. Thank you, Mike. Thank you, Mike. That was that was amazing. Hey, yeah. Hey, buddy. Ladies and gentlemen, Mike Bushell. Mike Bushell. Ah, ah, yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Tip your, tip your bartender. Yeah, well, thank you. Um, just, uh, have to, uh, I have to check out my schedule and... Oh, jeez. <laughs> I almost forgot to tell you. I got a job. Really? So Jimmy goes to bargaining here. He's trying to think, how can I get out of this? How can I get out of this? How can I get out of this? Because he's like, Kim's back me in a corner. She loves me. I love her. I don't want to get in this situation. I don't want to go to therapy. Oh, that's going to be such a pain in the ass. Oh, my God. That's going to be the fucking worst thing ever. But I don't have anything going on. So I can't really tell her I don't have any time to do this. So I think this is what's going on in his mind. In a flash second of the liar con man in this moment, he's flashing. I don't want to do this. I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. But shit, I don't have a job. I don't have anything going on right now. I have no excuse not to call this person. Fuck, 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 fuckity, fuck, 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 fuck. Oh shit, those people called me this morning. Oh God, I can pull on that. Because then I have no time because I'm starting a new job and I'm really, really busy. So I can just keep putting this off for a while until she finally forgets about this whole therapy thing and I can simulate being a human again. And she will think that I am okay and I don't have to go to therapy and deal with my fucking demons. Strike. Yep. Hold on. Yes, it worked. And let's see if it worked. Yep. 
You're looking at Albuquerque's newest mobile communications specialist. I'm a shift supervisor even. Be very impressed. Cell phone sales. I'm selling cell phones. CC Mobile. I start today. This scene made me cry. Phil, 2018. I mean, that, that is great. Yeah. It's strictly gainful employment. And then 10 months from now, poof, I'm alone. DJ say, I was actually proud of Jimmy. He actually took the job to avoid lying to Kim. I think it was partially to avoid lying to Kim. And I also think it was partially to avoid having to deal with his emotions at that point because he's afraid of having to actually deal. So he's doing something else. He's doing the other thing that would help keep her off his back if he's working and he's moving and he's constantly doing something and not just sitting around stewing this weird happiness that's making her feel uneasy. The uh, growing and brewing Saul Goodman. And I will get to this point in the episode, but was the strip every time he's in a strip mall now, I think, is this the location that he eventually buys and turns into the Saul Goodman location? I'm like, does he buy this fucking place, this cell phone location when it goes out of business and this turns into the office? I, and I don't know, I'm not don't not saying it's ha it's true, but I'd have to go back to Breaking Bad and look at what the, the strip mall looks like and see if it's the same one. I don't think it is, but Little cool shit like that, I wouldn't be surprised if we have, we're getting to that point soon where it's starting to come together. 11 months, is that what he said? 11 months? And then he's going to be a lawyer again, and I don't think he's going to be Jimmy McGill as a lawyer again. Again. All right. But you'll... Just... Hey, Tim Gersh. Great to see you, buddy. Paul, when you get a chance? Of course. Absolutely. Coffee's on. Have a good first day. Oh, nice, Robert. Try, next, if you ever bump into him, ask him to be a guest on my show. <laughs> you can count on it. <laughs> <laughs> listen, Tim. Today is a good day to listen to Phil's podcast. Thank you, Worf. Thank you, Phil. Sorry, sorry, Tim. You talk to you talk to Worf. He's gonna he's gonna talk back. He's gonna bite back. He's gonna pull out his bat left, and and some shit's gonna go wrong here, man. Ten months. Thank you, DJ. <laughs> so let's continue before I go into Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, Tim Gersh is silently judging us. Uh, not Tim Gersh. Uh, as Lindsay said, uh, Worf is silently judging us all, dude. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. <laughs> I appreciate that. I appreciate you looking out, buddy. So, you sexy motherfucker. So, uh, Jimmy's in his bed. Oh, sorry. We're way past that. So, uh, we're way past that, asshole. <laughs> so, he changed it out. He's like, I got a job. And she's like, oh, that's okay. Fine. So, then he calls back to get the job back. James McGill, listen, I've been thinking it over. And I just can't pass up this opportunity. If the position is still open. <sighs> <laughs> You are all without honor. <laughs> what is that, Worf? Worf, what are you saying right now? <laughs> Listen, Phil. They are all without honor. <laughs> Sorry, I'm like trying to set something up that I shouldn't be trying to set up because it's really useless. But I still have to do it because I'm such a geek right now. Uh, I'm like, I got to get a Worf cam going on. <laughs> but now I ruined it because I said it. <laughs> Maybe next week I'll just randomly pop up a camera that's like the Wharf camera. And there's Wolf. What do you have to say about yourself, Wolf? 
No, no, I didn't do it. Okay. I'm wasting time. I'm wasting time. I was told to skip season one of TNG and go right to season two. Uh, season one is kind of weak at times. It, it's it. I would almost start with season three and then go back and watch seasons two, one and two later. Season two has some good episodes, but it also doesn't have the doctor on it. doesn't have Crusher on it. You have to deal with Pulaski. But this is not, that's, that's again, I don't, you don't have to talk me into talking about Star Trek. So uh, let me be careful here. So he calls back to get the job again. And then we go to the courtroom to Kim, who, speaking of Star Trek characters, is watching, uh, heading into the courtroom of Judge Neelix. She heads in the courtroom to observe. Uh, Scotty, this, this guy Scotty's defending himself. The judge whispers to tell Kim to talk to him in the next next recess. So let's hear Neelix with Kim. Oh, I don't want to bother you while you're eating. Shit! Don't be taking my mind off this eggplant and okra. My wife. Watch them in order. Obviously, I mean uh, Dwarf Burger. Dwarf Burger, who's dropping the Star Trek truths in the live chat. I'm you're getting my fandom uh, suppressed opinion after seeing these seasons a billion times. But Dwarf Burger's actually staying pretty rational here. I would say he it's right. Power through those first two seasons to go through. I would say Star Trek: Next Generation starts getting really good in season three. I would say Deep Space Nine's the same way. The first two seasons are still great, but it starts getting really good in season three. Voyager, if you like Voyager, is Pretty much the same quality from the beginning, but then seven when seven of nine shows up, stuff gets better as well too. So I would say definitely start with the beginning if you if you're wanting to watch that. Start with Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager in that order. Insist you cholesterol, yada yada. <clears throat> Can you imagine Jimmy talking to a shrink? It would be hilarious. <laughs> I would love that. Kind of weak. Oh fuck. And, oh, sorry, does this continue? Let's get back. He continues. Are you researching something? No, Your Honor. Then you're, you're working on your procedure. Just observing. <clears throat> oh, so Howard Hamlin's fine with one of his uh, associates just sitting around my court all day, whiling away the billable hours. Go Raiders. HHM. I'm a solo practitioner Raider Nation, Darian. Okay. Field? Mainly banking. How's business? Pretty good. I'm outside counsel for Mesa Verde. Mesa Verde. Do you know why I don't? I don't think this scene meant as much to me as I wanted it to because I'm a cold-hearted, dirty, miserable asshole. No, I think the reason why it didn't mean as much to me as I wanted it to was that I'm I'm a sad, miserable prick. No, it's that. I don't understand the nature of their relationship. I don't, is this her, I mean, I can, it can be understood. Is this someone she worked for? Is this someone that, you know, a, a judge she interned for or some shit? What is the nature, what, what is the nature of your emergency? I just don't understand their relationship and I don't feel like it got, I felt the stakes quite as much as I wanted to on the level that I always feel with characters interacting on the show. So I, without getting the information about who this guy is, other than knowing he's a judge that she has some sort of relationship with, I maybe could have dealt with a little bit more setting the scene, a little bit more dialogue, explaining what the fuck was going on. But I don't know. It's it's hard for me to be too judgmental. I just know that I didn't care as much about this scene as I wanted to. Yeah. 
you know, I, I heard about a case, and I think you might be the right person for it. Interested? Uh, of course. I can't share all the details just yet, but I can give you broad strokes. There's a young woman in her early 20s, pregnant. And uh, Joss has a theory. It's early in this weird story arc. It could be the beginning or the collapse of the relationship with Mesa Verde. And that could be the singular event causing her to be absent from Breaking Bad and and going out. And I think it all is going to come down to her going to Nebraska, is it, where where Saul is, where where Gene, the black and white Cinnabon Saul scenes are, and maybe him trying to go and where she, some somewhere close to where she is. I don't know. It's going to be very interesting, as we've talked about a bunch of times, the main things that are left out in the open going into the final season next year. And I'm going to say it, it's the final season. I don't care if it's been announced yet. You know it. I know it. The fucking Rick Moranis's face on the screen right now knows it. We all know that ne- next season is going to be the last season. I'd be extremely surprised if it isn't. And I still don't think Kim's going to be in it. I think this is Kim's last year. And somehow, wherever... Her story takes her, she leaves Jimmy and is out of Jimmy's life by the end of the season. I could be wrong. I'm usually wrong. Most times I'm wrong. But if I'm right, 51% of the time, I'm doing pretty good. First child, nearing the end of term, healthy as a horse. Jeffrey says, Judge Neelix is a world-class dink. I want to say that again. In slow motion, George Neelix is a world-class dinking, ding, ding, ding. It's a complication. She goes to the hospital for <laughs> delivery, and there's a mistake with the anesthesia. She aspirates vomitus. That's one of the minor, if I'm talking about overall gripes on Voyager, dwarf, they de-balled the Borg too much for me. And I and I and that could all start from originally from First Contact. I think First Contact is a good movie, but I never th- should, thought there should be a queen. I'm sorry that part of this podcast is turning into Better Call Star Trek as well, everybody. But as I mentioned before, if you're tuning into my silliness, you know that it's not just Better Call Solving It. And with there being Star Trek characters on there, it's 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 dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. It's, it's, I, I can't not talk about Star Trek. Judge Neelix. It's all Neelix fault again so judge neelix is a dink and he's like don't don't find the meaning of life don't have your midlife crisis in my courtroom missy and if you do i'm gonna put you to work so then he goes back into the courtroom the scene later and i i like this kim's just, uh, good afternoon please be seated kim's just sitting right there like fuck you bitch <laughs> yeah bitch i'm here my name's Cass, bitch. So we go back into a crossword puzzle, and Mike's doing it. He's doing it in the diner again. Uh, and it's, I, I wrote this at this point. It seems like last season's pacing. As a guest enters, and he brushes it off, it's Anita from the group, the girl that has a little bit of a crush on Mike. Let's listen to what the two of them talk about. Paper? Thank you. Twenty-two across is Esmeralda. Oh, flirty. Bell ringer's love interest. It's Mike. Mike, come on! Don't you know TV motif six five eight? When a character knows crossword crossword answers, it means you need to have sex with them. Come on. Who are you? <laughs> hey, Anita. Hey, Fran. Usual for you. Yep. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you, Fran. 
You know, a girlfriend of mine is playing piano. Jeffrey, as far as I know, no. And come on, Mike. With her band tonight at the launch pad. Mike, she's inviting you to listen to rock music. Mike, that being said, can we all just for a second pause? In this, where If you're listening to this podcast, push pause. I want you to take an extended moment of silence to imagine Mike at a club. Not Mike, not the actor, not Jonathan Banks, who probably seems like he probably could check out a lot of rock band stuff. But the character of Mike Amontrout going to a club to check out somebody's band. You know, Mike's sitting in the back. Ugh. Ugh. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is like a meditation exercise. No, don't come back to the show till you have that image in your head. Do it. Put the image in. You got that image? You got it? Visualize that. That's your chi right there. Take that. Anytime you're depressed, anytime you're feeling bad, just take the thought of Mike Aaron Trout checking out a band. And that band could have been Jesse's band, and he could have been playing drums in it. Remember uh, my whole thing about how Jesse's going to make a guest appearance? I said, oh, we can see him in the band. Like, if Mike only went to see the band, maybe it was Jesse's band. Does anyone remember the name of Jesse's band? I think you hear it a couple times in season one, maybe. It's mentioned. Or he might just say, my old band. I don't know if we get a name. Anyways. Uh, don't talk about V'ger. There's no Star Trek 1 talk here, Tim. Mike and Anita will be making old fart love sex before season is over, Melanie says. She smells it. She can see it in the tea leaves. Mike could be tapping that, says DJ. Mike's tapping that. The other Mike's tapping on the live chat. Melanie says, there we go again, DJ. Great minds think alike. Melanie and DJ, love you both. Great minds think alike. Joss says, uh, Jonathan Banks and Mark Margolis, not to mention Michael McKeon, have had roles on one or more of the Star Treks. Neelix fits right in. Who is uh, John? Am I missing uh, Jonathan Banks' Star Trek appearance? And uh, please, if you remember those, Joss, throw them in the live chat. And I would I'd love to uh, look at that. And I love how Star Trek and Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul is connecting here. And obviously we have uh, with Vince Gilligan, X-Files connection and a lot of other different shows. Listening again to this past week's Breaking Bad. I keep calling Breaking Bad the Better, Better Call Saul Insiders podcast. Uh, the whole beginning half was the, them just babbling about shows. One of the, the director of last week's episode is the person working on season three or show running season three of True Detective. And uh, they were all talking about how high they are on the on what they've heard about that season coming up too. And also the new season of Ozarks was talked about a little bit as well. So it was cool to hear them talk about those shows and hear how members of the Breaking Bad team and the Better Call Saul team are working on those shows and have... Uh, some of the some connection there, some connective tissue on those programs, which are both really awesome shows. I haven't really talked about Ozarks on here, but that, that is definitely a fun show that I'll be uh, talking about season two. And I got to talk to Joe and see if he's seen that as well. But OK, enough of that sort of shit. Definitely check that out. So Anita says, come to a band and she's trying to give him I want to do you clues, but Mike's not picking up on it. Pretty good. You want to go? To his group. Mm, we could ditch. I better go. I told Stacy I'd be there. <laughs> awesome, Lindsay. That's why I 
for whatever reason, I don't have a Better Call Saul technical difficulty stuff, and I've been all over the place these last couple of weeks, so I haven't had any time to work on shit. So I've just been using the random ones. And the Spaceballs one is probably the one I'm, I'm is my go-to one right now. Sure. Maybe I could stop by after. That'd be great. Was Mike going to stop by after? Or was he just bullshitting her? Was, uh, was Mike saying maybe, maybe he would? So this is yeah, speaking of this is where we start to get a little bit of a lead up to what ends up happening with Mike and telling off the guy later. He starts talking to her a little bit more about the group and about this guy that he suspects is lying. And I guess this is the question that we're going to go through. Did Mike make this guy? Is Mike right? Are we going to find out later that maybe Mike was wrong? Or does does most people agree that Mike got a good poker tell on this dude and he knows that he was lying? I tend to think in most cases and what we've seen in Breaking Bad, very rarely, if ever, and I'm trying to think, if ever has Mike been wrong. Maybe trusting Walt eventually, but it's, it's kind of a weird one. But when he makes a decision, when he makes a read on someone, his initial read on Walter is that don't trust this fucker. But he ultimately gets tied to him later, but. I don't know. It's it's just uh, it's it's a question to kind of put out there at the beginning here. And as we get to the end of this episode, was Mike right? Was Mike wrong? I tend to think he was right. I'm going with Mike is right. Uh, what is that? Was that? Should, should I put the emoji? Fucking uh, uh, fucking thumbs up right, thumbs down wrong. Like was Mike right or wrong? Uh, put him in the live chat throughout. Throughout, we'll we'll see. Uh, am I really doing that? Am I doing one of those like put it in the chat? So put it in the chat. Put it in the chat. Thumbs down. I guess or just say yes or no. Just answer the fucking question. You don't have to fucking do it in a fucking emotional fucking emoji thing. But if you want to. If that simplifies your answer, do up or down. You know, do whatever makes you happy, okay? What am I fucking telling you? What kind of asshole am I? <laughs> I love you guys. Mike doesn't bullshit. Mike doesn't know he tells. Mike is right. DJ thumbs up. Thank you, DJ. I like. I would have. I would have done it too. Mike is right. Yeah, I tend to think Mike's right. Mike is right. So let's listen to what Mike has to say. I've been thinking about reaching out to Henry. I think he needs a friend. Every time I see him, he seems worse. Henry's fine. You talk to him? Don't need to. Then how do you know? Because that dead wife he's always talking about never existed. What are you talking about? It's an act. Why would you even say that? The guy's story changes every time he tells it. Really? No, I don't think so. The romantic night at the Cubs game, their first kiss. Yeah. Romeo, it's great to see you, you buddy. Can't know that. Wrigley Field didn't get lights until '88. There were no night games before then. None of his details add up. <laughs> I love how Mike knows all of well, this. Maybe he just got the year wrong. Why would anyone make up a story like that? Okay. Here you go. And Mike right there is thinking, oh, sweetheart, oh, honey, oh, why would anyone make up a story like that? 
There's so many reasons why someone would make up a story like that. Sheer pleasure just to get off on the lie because you don't have anyone in your life and you're trying to get some sort of pleasure out of it uh, to ultimately con somebody into either having sex with you or giving you money. There's so many reasons why someone would make up a story like this. And I appreciate that people out there think good, but I'm, I'm out here telling you. That there are good people and there are shitty people, but there are definitely shitty people that like to lie and they do it as a sport. They do it as fun. Their name is Garrick. They, they play with it. They flex it. Lying is a skill like anything else. If you do not practice it, you will get bad at it. So they are out there practicing it and fine-tuning their skills. At all times. Maybe he's just like a stand-up comedian that's going to daytime comedy set hours to work out jokes. You know, so he's just like working the working the easy circuit to work out a later con later. I mean, there's so many different reasons why he could possibly be there in this situation. Oh, honey, honey. Thank you. Thanks for that. You know, you have a very suspicious nature. <laughs> We can't go on together. We're suspicious, Mike. He's got We're a suspicious, Mike. Like a bad And poker. we can't go on together. We're suspicious, Mike. We're caught in Breaking Bad. We come on back. Because Mike's love don't come easier. <laughs> we can't get on together. We're suspicious, Mike. We're suspicious, Mike. We're Kirk. I'm gonna stop right now. Holy shit! I want to record a song right now. Wait, wait, where, where's the karaoke machine? Holy shit! And when he's lying, he rubs his wrist. Caught okay. in a trap. We're gonna get killed by Walton Breaking Bear. Are you gonna come to group tonight? Because we know Mike ain't that easy. Alright. Why can't you see what what Mike's doing to me? Different story. Because he means just what he's saying. (laughs) Alright. Mike can't get all together. We're suspicious minds. We're suspicious minds. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm having way too much fun about that. But Mike, he he knows people, and Mike's making a making a read. I love how he spells out the poker towel there, because that is true. Some people do have poker towels. I have them. Everyone has them, and you can pick them out if you know where to look for them. They don't always mean what you think they mean, though. Especially people that that aren't aware are, that are aware that they have them. That's one of those weird things when you're playing a game of poker with someone when you get into reading tells. If someone knows that they have a tell and they know that they can play into it and fake you out with the tell and do the tell when they don't aren't really lying to make you think that they're lying and that that's the that's the 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 level up game of poker. Anyways, sorry for my awful singing there. Elvis is Elvis is dying again if he's still alive. <laughs> I know he's not alive. Before someone writes, dude, seriously? But no, I know. I know. Maybe. No, I'll leave the king alone. Oh, oh, thank you very much. Okay, so Mike says he he has a tell. He rubs his wrists. Ten buck bet. When she said, let's make it more interesting, he makes it more interesting, I thought she was going to say, ten bucks or you take me out on a date or something like that. But whatever. This show's not that cheesy. So we go off to Jimmy. They're not as cheesy as I am. So we go off to Jimmy putting on his uniform. We could get, almost get some music here. Tom himself, holy shit, I come in and Phil's talking about fake tells. 
<laughs> Perfect timing, right? So we come back in and... Oh, shit. Jimmy's putting on his uniform. That's right. He's a GC Mobileite. Oh, yeah. Oh, baby, it's happening. Oh, baby, it's happening. No. And... The echo in here is real, by the way. So Better Call Saul is, this is strip mall I asked at this point in time. Either way, does he buy this store and turn it into his uh, offices eventually? I don't know. I'm not sure. But it's uh, every strip mall I'm looking at funny-eyed right now. Then we get Jimmy working with ridiculous music with him sweeping through his bored life. And I started to get flashbacks of every horrible job I had as a teenager where I'm just sitting around in some boring retail job for nine hours doing nothing, walking around with no customers and just sitting there. Uh, uh, I think... No matter how difficult your job is, especially if you work in retail, well, let's not talk about other jobs. Let me just talk about retail. When you work in a store or something or at a cash register, I think most people can agree that you want it to be not fucking crackhead crazy busy where you don't get time to breathe, but generally pretty steady. When you have several hours to just sit there and do fucking nothing, I used to work at this dry cleaners and I used to work at a GNC and... In the, both those jobs, the stores were so fucking slow. The GN Snee, GN Snee, GN Snitty. I would work there for eight, sometimes nine hour shifts with an hour lunch break with somebody else. And there'd be two of us sitting there. And there would be like three people coming in the store in the whole entire uh, eight, nine hours. It would be ridiculously slow and awful. And time goes by. It's it's like watching paint dry. It's horrible. I used to work when I was in college. I worked at a campus center. I was a building supervisor. So a lot of the night, so basically every night I would sit in an office and supervise the building that was empty. And no, and occasionally someone come upstairs, but ultimately it was every night of just sitting in this office like this with five hours to kill, five hours to do nothing. I was like, I can watch Godfather two and one and two again. <laughs> pretty much make it through that is the worst read a book fuck you especially for someone like jimmy who wants to be moving all the time right now it's it's horrible and he feel he calls his boss and he's like dude hey oh that was the first morning good robbie um but yeah actually it's a little little slow yeah that store's always been a bit calmer just bring a book so this is a normal weekday Mostly, but wait till inventory week. There's a line out. Jeffrey makes an excellent point. Boring jobs are great because they're excellent for study time. Hence why I had that kind of job with 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 work with during college. But ultimately, the problem with it became that I'd end up getting all my work done early in the evening. And then I'd have the rest of the evening just bored to do nothing. Uh, but you're right. And during school, it gives you that time. You know, that you're getting paid to do homework, essentially. That's why work-study jobs are really fucking awesome. Mm -mm -mm. Tom himself, love you, love you, brother, love you, brother. Jeffrey Townsend, amen. I also love this boss's Robbie and clearly have Jimmy's age. Just I worked at J.C. Penny many moons ago. Holiday season was the devil's asshole. Says Lindsay. 
<laughs> Sounds good, Jeffrey Breather, than here in Phil. I can find no one else who can have intelligent talk about Better Call Saul, so it's annoying. Sounds good. Uh, well, I'm so glad that you were here, and I'm not I'm not happy that there's no one else that can have good Better Call Saul talk, but I'm glad that you have uh, a home amongst us awesome folks, or at least the awesome folks in the live chat. I can't speak for myself. I'm not really an awesome folk, but I do appreciate it. And for you, free, don't tell any of the super chatters. I'm going to give you a spin of the motherfucking wheel, because... Why not? There's a spin of the wheel. So uh, then we get... He's just losing his mind. He's so uncomfortable. When's inventory week? Uh, you just missed it. Is there uh, any chance that you could move me to a store with a little more traffic? Uh, let's see. The Gold Street store is always hopping. Uh, but it looks like the schedule's all full right now. Let's give it a couple weeks and then we'll see. No problem. If I can, I'll swing by later. Keep up the good work. Yeah. See you then. Bye. Okay, you got some drum fun. Ooh, sorry. Okay, it's enough of that. Thank you so much for checking out our live stream and uh, good night, everybody. No, <laughs> not yet. You're, you haven't, you can't get rid of me quite yet. Okay, so we continue. We, uh, we go to off to the cousins and Nacho. See, to me, this is where the episode really starts and gets intense. I think all the stuff that happens before this point is really cool and really fun and kind of leads up to the awesome payoffs that we get at the end of the episode. So we go off to the cousins and Nacho. Excuse me, the Salamanco cousins. They're spying, and Nacho says that's the dude that ran me off the road. This place is a fortress. No way we can get into here alone. Let's put a crew together. The cousins just look at each other and are like, yeah, sure, whatever. And they get out of the car, and the two of them head towards the scene, and they got a bag full of guns. And they go, and they kill two people. They And Nacho watches as they slowly and kind of silently kill everybody in there, or start to kill everybody in there. And Nacho's like, fucking Salamancas. And he's looking like, what the hell is going on? And another truck rolls in and heads in as the music tenses up, and it looks like the cousins might not make it. And we see this all from Nacho's perspective, who is hurt and injured and hurt and injured and can't really, doesn't feel like he can help out without causing himself pain, which is ultimately what happens. As we've, So he finally heads out and he loads his gun and heads in to help. He limps in there, sneaks up behind, shoots a guy with a shotgun, and there's an explosion. It's like a war zone. It's very well filmed. The use of shaky cam, which I don't usually like, actually works really well here because it's not too bad, and it really makes the gives you a feeling of uneasiness to match how Nacho is feeling. He's 
We see that one of the Salamanca brothers is trapped inside a building and he's running out of ammo as Nacho heads up from behind to try to shoot the guy, shoot one of the dudes that's that's uh, pulling, uh, that's keeping one of the Salamancas in the house. But Nacho falls because of his injury and he gets back up but just as the other cousin shows up and kills them all in a very action movie kind of way, which is like, bam, 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 bam. And looks to Nacho like, damn, man, you really got our back because you are, you're almost half dead here and you're coming in to try to help my brother. You know, uh, we got your back, buddy. So we come back in and we see Victor lighting a butt and walking in a dimly lit room and Nacho's there and he's looking pretty fucking shitty as a car pulls up and it's Gus who does this, his Gus quick approach thing and comes up to Nacho. We cleared out the Espinosas. And we uh, we found out the Espinosa family got cleared out, and Nacho starts to put all the shit together. They're all done. Oh my goodness, we have Joe Dirty Cox in the live motherfucking chat. Joe, you're supposed to be sleeping, dude. What are you doing in there? We got Joe in the live chat who will finally be back next week. We'll finally get a return of Joe Dirty Locks next week's podcast for from Better Call Saul. So Joe is trolling the live chat right now. <laughs> dirty fucker that dirty locked bastard you know you know just for you right now since you're listening joe let's uh let, let's let's play a voicemail from the one and only big fucking jay hey phil what's up you crazy motherfucker your buddy big jay hey buddy calling uh I thought the episode was off the fucking hook, man. It reminded me of, uh, like, the first couple seasons of Better Call Saul. Uh, you know, then it got into the Breaking Bad shit, but I love the way uh, Mike discovered that that loser. But then that is West Side. What kind of sick fuck goes to a grieving me? What? A fucking really horrible shit fuck, Jay. A fucking, what a piece of shit. But he called it Grievous Anonymous, whatever the fuck it's called. It pretends that, uh, what a, well, you gotta be one fucking lonely motherfucker to go there and just do that or some sick fuck. And it was pissing Mike off. And, uh, you know, I love the way he fucking just blew that guy up, man. He's like, I don't give a fuck about your rules. And then he, <laughs> he actually pushed his uh, daughter-in-law's arm away. She tried to, like, put her arm, like, snap him. And he's like, get off of me, you know? Because usually he's real sweet, though. She's fucking annoying, that little bitch. Um, anyway, uh, a couple people uh, getting back to some of the other characters, though. Somebody in here. And I'll, I'm going to play the rest of your message, Jay. But I, it's funny. I was watching this, and when it was coming on, I remember what you were saying last week. I had a feeling that you were really going to like this episode, and that's awesome. Uh, that that's better. It's, There's so many ways that this show can please people. This definitely had a very awesome tone, especially the beginning half of that Better Call Saul of the early season feel and then leading back into the second half and where, where it really fucking took off hearing your excitement and it makes me even like it more buddy and it's great great to hear you and thank you for the fucking message you awesome motherfucker you let's play with the rest of this fucking message uh, Chad, this is something that I was thinking why did Jimmy take the job um, if they can talk about the psychiatrist is he trying to show her that uh you know, by working or whatever, like, you know, he's getting back to his old self, but uh, you can see that he's fucking shot since his brother died. This is what's making him become, you know, you know, going the way he's going. And uh, 
just a lot of good shit, man. Fucking God system, man. Those two twins, man. Those guys are, those are some tough motherfuckers, man. They went away. Not just like normal weight up tonight. They didn't even answer them. They just walked in there and took out the whole fucking place with those suits and those boots. They're some tough fucks, man. And uh, I just enjoyed the whole fucking show, man. It reminded me, like I said, the old days, old days, when Better Call Saul first came out, you know, with the little storylines with Mike sitting at that fucking diner. I could just sit in that diner and uh, and think about it like, oh, I'm Mike right now, just having my fucking eggs, you know, just doing shit. And uh, anyway, all right, pal. I'm enjoying the rest of your review there. And uh, I'm real jealous whatever you're drinking. That looks good, man. I'm going to save mine. <laughs> Probably have a couple days tomorrow, but I need to day off today. I had, I had a few. Uh, I, I drank a little more than I wanted over the weekend. But uh, anyway, buddy, all's good. I'm talking. There we go. Awesome shit. Great. Thank you so much. Holy shit. We got a super chat donation from Michael. Mike, don't take shit. Let's spin the wheel for Mike in the live chat. Thank you, Mike, for that super chat donation. Really, I cannot say how much the Super Chat stuff really matters to us and helps me continue to do this and all of our patron support as well. All you patrons are fucking amazing to us on a month-to-month basis. And it says, uh, it lands on drum fun again. I literally just played the drums. I gotta play, I, I'll play some more drums in a second, Michael, before the end of the show for you, buddy. And thank you so much. So we come back in with, uh, Vic lighting a butt and walking in. Let's listen to Gus. And the Salamanca brothers. Marco took a hit, but he'll pull through. They went back south until the heat dies down. It's territory, isn't it? Salamanca's wipe out the Espinosas. Espinosa territory isn't for grabs. Cartel can't give it to the Salamanca, so I think they give it to you. Get some rest. I don't know if what Gus was thinking there was this guy's too smart. I'm going to have to kill him <laughs> or this guy's too smart. I really want to work with him. And here, well, this could be really quiet. Sorry, I was trying to make drum fun a little bit different. I don't want to play that too much because I'm gonna. I want to start playing a drum set really, really loud now. <clears throat> DJ, thank you so much as always. Lots of love to you. Have a good evening. So we go off to off to group. So let's get into our group scene where things get really awesome. Nacho downloads all this inf- information, calls Gus out. Gus says. Smart boy, get some rest. So we go off to group, and this is probably my favorite scene in the episode. I think he's really come a long way. It, it, he hasn't even talked about getting a job until this week. Uh, let's skip ahead. Called- Stacy? Even the here and now. I know that's what Judy would have wanted, but it's... So ultimately, it... Uh, okay, I guess I can't skip over that. His daughter-in-law gives this big speech about how 
today she didn't really think about her her uh, dead husband. And Mike gets really emotional about this, and you can see the emotion building up and just overthrowing him. And it's really a well-shot scene, well-acted scene. Excuse me. And right after that, trying to feed off of the emotional moment, this fake ass motherfucker, because I'm on, I believe Mike too. It's uh, I go with Mike. Mike's always right. And says this silly, silly shit. I thought Mike was gonna kill him, but he did the next best thing. Not, I mean, he did the be- a better thing. He he destroyed him with his words. Hard. Night, Melanie. Thank you so much. Been avoiding him for the last two weeks. Tim, you as well, buddy. Ever since he got back from his vacation to Australia. She always wanted to go to Sydney, but money was tight. Finally, we were going to go for our 25th, and that's when she got her test results. Oh, God. Mike, do you have something you want to add? Yes, I do you. You don't want to hear what I have to say. Well, we're ready if you are. Yeah? <laughs> this guy was this, never married. This is fucking awesome. What are you talking about? Mike, no, you know the rules. Yeah, I know your rules. He's been coming in here for months, selling you a bill of goods, getting you all misty-eyed and loving every minute of it. Stop. That's just not true. Yeah? Okay. So I'll go to the public library and I'll get the papers from 1997 and I'll run a search on Judy DeVore, beloved wife of Henry DeVore. Tell me I'll find her obituary. She wanted to go to Australia? Last month it was Cuba. Come on, Henry. Let's look at the papers, see if the math works. Come on, Mike. She's not there, is she? Come on, bitch. What, bitch? Come on, say it. Come on, say it. Say it. You have no shame. You want to admit it. You want to admit it. Come on, asshole. No, and... Whoops. Well, he came to the right place, didn't he? He knew you wouldn't notice. And you didn't. Good point, Jeffrey. I'm going to get to that in a second. All wrapped up in your sad little stories, feeding off each other's misery. He wanted me to talk. (laughs) I talked. For a second, I thought it was a time shift thing where we, uh, at the beginning of the episode, we had already seen this scene and they were just repeating it. But good point. What Jeffrey said, I don't think I don't see Mike being welcome in this group ever again as well. I think the more important thing is I think Mike's daughter-in-law's reaction to this is going to be swift and harsh. She's gonna she's not gonna she's not gonna deal with this well. So let's continue. Let's as we're zipping through this episode, we're back at in the truck heads as the truck heads down a back alley and it's Nacho's dad as he gets some spider sense as he heads into his house and he says, uh, get out of my house, answer me, no games. He says, I told you to get out of my house. He turns on the light and he's like, my son, what have you done to me? Or what have you done to me? What have they done to you? 
and he's gonna call the ambulance but nacho says don't tell them i'm fine i just need to rest here do you think i can rest here and his dad it gives this look like yeah i guess i can't say no but fuck and it's a well-acted scene between both actors there's not much to talk about there other than it's this is a catching your breath after big events happen sort of episode. And this was great to see these two at least reconnect on some level. And both the actors knocked out the ballpark and it was filmed well and whatever. And whatever. It's, it's see, four weeks in and I take for granted all these amazing little shots that they do. Like where where you get from a port shot, just different perspective stuff that they just throw in there for the hell of it just to add depth to the to the to the scene but whatever you know i'm I'm used to it now <laughs> i'm just gonna notice when other shows don't do it but i'm used to it on better call Saul again i'm back i'm back accustomed to it so uh then we get mike at another magical location and he looks around and he's fucking with this guy and it, it's just funny it's it's whatever i mean i could talk all about this scene but ultimately it's just some funny comedy with mike being a hard-ass business guy. We've all worked with a guy like this, and Mike's really having fun with his job, and he gets a phone call. First of all, he gets a phone call from his daughter-in-law that he skips, and then he gets a phone call from Victor, who says, Gus wants to see you tonight. And Mike's not done yet. He's got more shit to do. So we go back to Jimmy, who we've last left bouncing a ball, who's still bouncing a ball. He closes up shop, and he gets the fuck out of there. He heads to the... uh, to see that dude, I forget his name. Is his name Marco? No, not Marco. I forget what his name is, but I remembered, and they talked about it in the Better Call Saul Insiders podcast, that I forgot this, but this character is actually in Breaking Bad as well when they run a scam. I forget the scam that he he runs. I think it's in a... Maybe... I forget. I forget, and I'm not, not going to spend brain power here trying to remember something I really don't remember, but this character is in Breaking Bad as well. And yeah, there seemed to be a bidding war. They got more money for the little glass figure, and this guy wants to get more into this. But he's like, no, 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 no. But Saul, giving, him the, giving us the hint that he will be back in Breaking Bad time, says, we will work together again in the future. I think Nacho's dad is not long for this world. I hope you were wrong. Spit that out. No, but you you possibly could be right. I do think Nacho and his whole family might not be long for this world. Mm-mm-mm. I'd be surprised if Nacho lasts the series. Mike was less than happy to get that call from Gus. He was less than happy to schlep his ass out there to meet Gus when he wants to be at home watching Matlock. So... So we let's let's listen to a little bit of these stuff because these two characters are funny. He wants and yet. I'm a fancy guy myself. Yeah, well, you can buy a truckload. Here you go. Hey, whoa, whoa, this is uh, more than we talked about. Yeah, Bavarian boy made quite a splash at the Collectibles Expo. Bidding war. Wow. 
Great. We both know you could have kept most of this. I would have never known the difference. Yeah, well, you could have left me high and dry. I'm liking this Hummel thing. Cash came fast and clean. Got any more where that came from? Mm, no, not really. Not yet, but they will work together again. So we go off to Jimmy painting something on the windows of the store, and I can't explain why, but I love it. Please, please don't copyright my video for three seconds of audio. I can't explain it. And it says, if the man's listening, privacy sold here. Selling disposable phones to criminals, which is going to tie him even more into the criminal underworld and help him make some ties, possibly with Nacho, possibly with some, or if he already has a relationship. Or has he met Nacho? Has him and Nacho? Yeah, and then him and Nacho have worked together. Um, so it's going to bring Saul into a whole bunch of other circles. So we go off to Mike meeting Gus, pulling down a dark road as he pulls in, and Gus gets out of the car for him. And this is what I was saying before, that Gus usually makes a big appearance for a lot of people, and not with Mike. With Mike, he's very direct for the most part, but he gets in on Mike here, and he's testing him. I think this is all about testing Mike. You want to see me? Here I am. In order for our race. Do does anyone else think Jimmy's going to rob his formerly elder, former elderly clients for the Hummels? I was thinking that he is thinking that, that he knows how to get more Hummels, but he's not sure if he wants to go there yet. And something's going to lead him to that point to just say fuck it and do it because it, who gives a shit about people at this point? Continue. There is a matter we need to discuss. Okay. 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 Why am I here? Uh, listen, Gus, I don't want to be here, but I am. Uh, uh. Do you have something to tell me? If you do, Tread lightly. you will be well advised to do so. Nacho Varga. I wondered when you were going to get around to this. You came to me. You asked for a favor. You looked me in the eye. You shook my hand. And all the while, you knew Varga was moving against my interests. I said I wouldn't kill Salamanca. I never promised to be his bodyguard. So. And then Mike quickly sizes up. Listen, this is why I'm here. This is, this is some bullshit. Why am I really here? Get to the fucking point, because if you're really pissed about this stuff, this really crossed the line, and you're really upset about this, this would mean the end of me, and I wouldn't be here talking to you. I'd just be dead. So can we just cut the shit sandwich talk out of the way and just get to the fucking point of why you have me here? What kind of plan? What do you need me to do? How are you going to ingrain me more into your business? Fuck it all right now. You know, come on. Just bring it on. One now. You want to make a move, you better make it. I love that we see this side of Mike. Something that we never, we don't often see. Mike being aggro a little bit. We've seen it a couple times here and there when he thinks it's the best tactic, but it's cool to see him. This is the most we've seen Mike really aggressive.
King Kong ain't got shit on me. I'm not gonna either. You brought me here because you haven't asked. So why don't you stop running a game on me and just tell me about the job? Get to the fucking point, asshole. And that's the end of our episode. These episodes definitely have... Whoa! There are so many pleasures in logic. Have understood the right point to end off to keep you wanting more. So let's listen to previews from next week. No, fuck previews from next week. Next week looks really awesome. Howard looks to be back. Jimmy's there. We see Kim. We see Mike working on the job. We see some kids. Some shit's going on. Holy fat. Holy fuck. Joe Dirty Locks is going to be back next week for another episode of Better Call Saul and another recap. But this has been fucking awesome. Have to thank our super chat donators and all of our friends for being in the live motherfucking chat tonight. Big J for his phone call. Jeffrey, Lindsay, DJ, Joe Dirty Locks, JSM Down, Will, who said, Am I going to do an Angel thing? I am still mid watching Angel. Sort of had paused over the summer because we're just not watching as much TV, but we do have the Angel DVDs and we're halfway through them. Uh, and I will be talking about Angel eventually and getting to it. And I am watching it, digging through it. And for the most part, I have good stuff to say about Angel. Bernie the Burnt, always awesome to see you. Melanie, Joss, who else in there did we, who else do we have? Uh, From was in there earlier. Uh, we also have one of the best names I've ever seen. Uh, Dwarf Burger Swamp Beard. Mike was in here earlier. We got uh, uh, Robert, who's going to try to get Bob Odenkirk on the show. So all you guys in the live motherfucking chat and anyone who's still sticking around right now, we're checking out this video later. You guys are amazing. <laughs> oh, you guys are cracking me up in the fucking chat. So, uh, so yeah. So everybody, if you haven't already and you enjoyed this video, please hit that like button. Please hit that subscribe button. Share the channel with a fucking friend. It's Joseph. Okay. So, I mean, I like saying, I'm saying your name really like, you know, special. I'm like Joss. <laughs> like you're Joss Wheaton or something just because I'm, I'm shortening it. But, I'll, but now that I know that it's Joseph, I'll just say Joseph. So, yeah. See, I'm not, I'm not an idiot. I just play one on television. Is that, is, that, is that what the fuck this shit is? I, no, I'm not on TV. What if I'm fucking... <laughs> Lindsay. Lindsay in the live chat. Joseph from Frumius. Jeffrey. DJ. Hopefully you had a good night. So, yeah, I guess it's time. It's, it's time to end. <laughs>
myself, and hopefully Joe too if he has a night off at work. And if not, maybe he'll be <coughs> sick. We're going to be talking about the premiere episode of Mayans, the Sons of Anarchy spin-off series that I'm very excited to watch next week. Then we got so many shows coming in the fall. Oh, and a special announcement. For some reason, the Emmys are on a Monday this year. I don't know if they're always been on a Monday. I, for some reason, I always remember them being on Sundays. But because they're on a Monday, they're on the same night as A Better Call Saul. And guess what? As much as I love doing live stream watches of the Emmys, it doesn't take precedence over an episode of Better Call Saul. So sorry, people that like watching those things. We won't be doing the Emmys this year. But we will be streaming Better Call Saul that night. Please, if you like what we do, think about supporting us on Patreon. Think about it helping out the channel in all the different ways. You can see that in the description box below. Use our Amazon links. Use all of our different fucked up shit that you can help us do our crap. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.